everybody. My name is Axel Villamil. Welcome back to 24 Shades of Blue. We're here with the amazing Valerie Dahan, or in French, Dahan, uh, Detective Constable, Toronto Police Services, Financial Crimes Unit, Asset Forfeiture Unit, and none other joining us, Sean Marshall, Detective. He's here, Cybercrime Center. How are you both today? Excellent. How are you? Sean, you doing good? Absolutely. Great. I'm glad to have you two here. It was a mission for us to all actually meet. As you know, state of the world, Canada, Ontario, especially is on another three times a charm lockdown for fun. Um, but we're here, you know, being safe in our respective homes and in HQ, obviously staying safe there. So I'm glad we're doing this safely. Um, so we have two very different topics, cybercrime and fraud. Um, but also there's some overlap that goes on. And now this is actually, to correct me, first time, Valerie, that you're meeting or seeing Sean for the first time, but you've worked with him. Yeah, no, in theory, we work together, uh, <laughs> but completely different buildings. And yes, this is the first time I see Sean's face. He took a sneak peek at me, but this is my first time meeting Sean. So. Uh, Sean, Sean, is this your first time seeing Valerie too? Actually, yeah, there's a lot of people that we end up working with on a regular basis, but you only know them through phone and email. So this video conferencing is nice to at least be able to connect with people a slightly different way if we can't meet up in person. Absolutely. I think you two were ahead of the curve when it came to COVID uh, connecting. So we were all behind. You two already ahead uh, in terms of uh, communications in that way. So, well, we know that there's a lot of similarities, but let's talk about differences first. So, um, you know, let's start with you, Valerie. You know, what is what's the differences on your end between what Sean does? And could you just give us a you know a general background for the public of what, you know, fraud is in your end? And then um, we can go with cybercrime, Sean, on your end too, and then see where we overlap. I mean, really, you would think um, fraud and, and cybercrime kind of go hand in hand. But I mean, Sean's the expert when it comes to cybercrimes. But, you know, cybercrime obviously happens in cyberspace. And fraud, on the other hand, happens absolutely everywhere. It happens in cyberspace, but it happens at your front door. It happens over the phone, happens through your email, on your cell phone, um, absolutely anywhere. So when you're dealing with fraud, you know, you can't just think in a silo. Fraud's one of those things. It's, you know, people used to think that it's it's kind of the crime of the future, but it's the crime of the past. And it's it's 100% here and it's never going anywhere. Um, and it's kind of one of those devastating things um, when you think about frauds. And, you know, there's some misconceptions that are kind of interested about frauds. People think it's a victimless crime. They think it's a white collar crime, um, but it, it's an actually devastating crime. And I had a judge say in, in one, of, um, one of my trials in the past at a sentencing, he said that, you know, fraud erodes trust within society. And if you think if you've been a victim of fraud, that you're not shaking that, right? Your, your personal relationships that you've had with people, people have gone into your life and then all of a sudden, you know, through one way or another, your, your finances are disrupted. Everything is flipped on its head. Absolutely. So yeah, it's far from, far from victimless. And sort of like, I'm a bit of a passionate <laughs> fraud investigator, you know, fraud nerd, whatever you want to call me. But uh, I, I'm always there for my victims because fraud will change your life forever. Watch out, Valerie's going to be on the next uh, Netflix, you know, bad boy millionaires type of thing. And then she's going to be, you know, providing the evidence. But it's true. I think, you know, I get scared when, you know, obviously we've all seen things with, with fraud um, happen, especially um, online or examples of them. It's just picking up the phone to a random number now is actually quite scary. And I think that's, you know, a great segue into, you know, Sean, what you do is that I've heard even cases where, you know, let's say if I just say hello or I say the word yes, that's recorded and can be used, you know, 
um, towards other uh, identification you know spaces so sean let, let's chat about you you know and and how you see that crossover obviously with with uh, what valerie does but also the differences i guess when it comes to cybercrime, there's so many of them like like uh, val said you know there's a lot of different kinds of fraud out there and some of it's on the internet and some of it's in person when it comes to crime in general a lot of it on the internet uh it ends up getting categorized between technology as an instrument and technology is a target. So you've got technologies and instrument crimes, which would be like cyber harassment and cyber bullying and a lot of online frauds. But then our office also deals with technologies a target where we've got things like malware and actual hacking and data exfiltration and things like that. So there's definitely some crossover in the technologies and instrument end of things because these guys are committing fraud, you know, any way that they can. And the internet has opened up this whole new avenue for them. Absolutely. I feel like both of, you know, your topics, Val, when you're talking about, you know, fraud, you're, you're following the money, you're following, you know, whatever numbers are, are going around and, and looking for those people. Um, and, and in comparison to Sean, you're following, you know, bits and bytes at that point, you know, really looking for specific people through the, the underworld of, of, of the digital world. And, you know, would you would you both say there's is it equally as hard to find your perp? Is it more difficult for one? What's your opinion here? It's, in my opinion, it's kind of, it's different. And what's interesting, and I'm sure actually it, it overlaps into Sean's world, when it comes to fraud, sometimes we're, we tend to be reactive in certain ways because, you know, we've got our bad guys who are coming up with these different scams and schemes. And then it's a matter of us educating ourselves to say, okay, how did this work? What's their end game? And how do we get there? How do we prove what happened? Um, so we're educating ourselves, reaching out to all sorts of different industries and figuring out how things work. Um, and I'm sure it's in the cyberspace, it's the same way. You can't really anticipate what's coming next. And then, you know, oh, it, it emerges and COVID, you know, created its own challenges. Um, but we react, we adapt, and and we try our best to, um, to, to, in the end, come to some sort of conclusion to figure out, yeah, that that's the way they were perpetrating this fraud. Um and this is the evidence that I require to prove it so that down the road, it's going to be a conviction, right? Some sort of closure, some sort of uh, end game for our victims. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think there's a lot of crossover with what we do because it's, it ends up being a lot of production orders that we write. Probably both of us. A production order is basically like a search warrant for documents, like for bank records or for internet connection information as well. So we end up getting a lot of information from our victims up front. Uh, they'll have like some records and some logs that we can use to get started. But then in the end, we end up writing a lot of uh, production orders for that sort of internet connection information and sending those all over the world. So uh, it's, you know, it's the same, but different. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you both touch on, on COVID as well. And have you seen a rise in both sides uh, in terms of, uh, I guess, the number of crimes that are happening in your respective fields uh, because of COVID. And, you know, everybody's at home. I know I'm eating a lot of cookies. So does that mean there's a lot more people <laughs> on their computer, you know, committing fraud or, you know, doing cyber crimes? I was amazed at how quickly the scammers pivoted to COVID. They started working COVID-related stuff into their frauds very, very quickly. They registered like a bunch of... Uh, personal protective equipment domains and things like that. They were sending people emails about vaccines before they were available to the public. You know, they really pivoted towards frauds in the cyberspace. Anyway, they pivoted towards COVID related frauds very, very quickly. Um, 
I don't know if there's more fraud. I think it's the same amount. They just changed how they do it. A lot of people started working from home. And yeah. so bad guys started leveraging the fact that they're working from home and maybe business practices are a little bit looser because you can't just go and ask your boss the question. Now you have to set up a meeting and call them and stuff like that. Absolutely. Uh, as well as some cybersecurity vulnerabilities in the way that people work from home too. They're they sneaky, they Sean. They're sneaky. They got me bad. They, they were about to get me bad. They didn't get me. Let's be, let's be clear, everybody. They didn't get me because <laughs> I know you too. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I can, I can handle myself, but they did a great one. And I'm going to tell you an example of it. So we do a lot of shipping with our equipment, you know, to other guests like yourselves. We know we ship equipment over and they caught me at a perfect time. I almost clicked on that link too, because I had <laughs> to get a, uh, a package from the U.S. So I guess they were just timing it based off of, you know, um, packages coming in and out. They're like, oh, you have a package held at the border, which I actually did a couple days ago. And I thought I was like, for some reason, I'm like, do we have another one? Did I forget about something that's held over there? And I'm like, this looks weird. I'm like, what is this? Is this IPS? And I'm like, what is what is this 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 thing? So you know, I looked it up, um, and I checked, and they're like, oh, it's a scam. It's it's a scam to you know uh, to to pay a certain fee to to get your quote unquote package, et cetera, et cetera. So I got it was pretty close. And I mean, for both of you, um, and I know I'm segueing right now. Should we feel bad if we ever fall for this? Because I've had a bunch of people fall for it. Like, all honesty, should we feel bad? Like, what should we do to prevent ourselves from getting in these situations on both ends? So it's interesting that you ask, should I feel badly, right? It, it's one of those things. I don't know how many times a victim has turned to me after it's come out. Yeah. And it's come to light. Yes, now they're a victim of a fraud. They're dealing with it. And they say, you know, I just feel so stupid. That's exactly That's it. That's the first thing that comes out of their mouth. And then you have to stop them and say, no. No, don't feel stupid for being a good person. We're, if you're a good person, you're going to trust that everybody else is a good person. They have you know, the best, the, the, the best uh, everything at heart for you, right? They, they want you to succeed. Um, it's those bad guys out there that are creeping in and they victimize you. And now you feel stupid because you click that link. You're thinking, hey, that parcel is mine. Click. And you go, ah, geez, I really shouldn't. Have. And the next thing you know, you're, e you're getting emails and texts from people saying, hey, you've been hacked because right? you yeah. clicked that link. And then you, you just feel like a fool, right? You just feel so badly. But it's it's one of those things in life. If you're a trusting person, you're going to fall for these things. We try our best. We try to educate. We lecture regularly to the public. We, we lecture to other officers so that they can pass it on to other people. Mm -hmm. um, last month, month of, of March, every year is Fraud Prevention March. We try to get the word out through social media, through awareness blitzes, uh, through the media and different campaigns. Um, you know, a podcast like this can't hurt. Yep. Somebody's listening to it learn something and pass it on to two other people. Who don't pass click it on the link. To two other don't do it. Right? Don't click the don't link. Click the <laughs> but, but there are little things you can do. You know, Sean knows more when it comes to verifying certain addresses and things like that. But we, we lecture about that as well. But, you know, if you get that email and you're thinking, is this legit? It looks legit. If you read it carefully, sometimes you'll see some typos. Mm -hmm. you know, some pretty obvious typos that you go, yeah, okay. You know what? This reputable agency wouldn't have made this typo. They would approve forever read this three times before posting it. But then when you look, before clicking on that link, if you look at the actual sender's address, it might look like it's coming from Axel. Yeah, that looks right. But then when you click the address, no, it's not coming from Axel. No. It's coming from a whole bunch of different letters at whatever, netflax.com, yeah. right? It's not It's not Netflix. <laughs> so, you know, you can try to do your due diligence a little bit. And if you're not sure, just wait, pause, think a little bit, ask somebody else, ask a friend, should I be clicking on this? Most people tell you, just, just don't click, man. Just don't click. Absolutely. Okay? Sean, what about you? 
Yeah, we're, I'm dealing with a fraud right now uh, where they changed, they registered a new domain. So if it was Netflix.com, for instance, they registered Netflix, but they changed the I to a one. Oh. And if you look at it really quickly, you're probably not going to notice. Yeah. And it looks legit. And then you use the logos and everything else. I never blame the victims for falling for these things because as Val said, if you're a good person, you believe other people are good as well. And so you're going to click on these things. Of course. Uh, and even if you make a mistake, even if you're acting out of greed and someone says you can double your money in 24 hours, that still doesn't mean that these things should happen to you. It's never a victim's fault. Absolutely. So yeah, let's get more into the victims. You know, I think a lot of people would assume that oh, it's an older generation that would be targeted more because there's a lack of tech savviness. But, you know, I know somebody, you know, in their late 20s, uh, mid 30s, that was, you know, got uh, was uh, uh, a victim of fraud because they were just in a financial situation where they were scared of, you know, the government doing something or they had to pay a specific fee and they didn't want money taken out of their account. But then that happened and it was even worse. So, you know, let's talk about, the range of, of these victims, who could it be? And also, I guess for, you know, at least me, let's say I got uh, parents who, who don't know about these things. What should I tell them? How should I educate them? Sean and I chatted about this just, you know, previously, and yeah. I liked his answer a lot. Yeah, no, please, no, let's elaborate more because you did. Because I was like, I just feel like, you know, what, you don't want to be like, hey, mom and dad, like, don't, you know, these are the things don't click. Like, how can we guide them? How do we, you know, like the, the resources you said, but what else can we do in terms of, uh, I guess we can't be there all the time. You can't be, you, you can't check on everyone all the time. The victims that I see are everybody, male, female, every walk of life, every identifier you can think of. Uh, everyone falls victim to these things. The people think the elderly are more of a target, uh, but it's happening to millennials. It's happening to everybody as well. I think the bad guys generally prey on fear and greed and lust. Mm. And so as long as you fall into one of those three categories where you've ever felt one of those three things in your life, you're a potential victim of one of these things. The only thing you can really do is tell people to trust, but verify. That's something that gets said in cybersecurity a lot. Believe what people are telling you, but if Netflix sends you an email and says your account's behind, click here to make a payment, close the email, go into your Netflix account the way you normally would and see if you actually owe money that way. So you know, trust that something is wrong, but verify it through another way to make sure that it's actually legit. Absolutely. It, it would be amazing if there was a typical fraud victim because then we could just target that that audience, yeah, right? And yeah. say, okay, let, let's fix the problem and, and fraud is eradicated and we never have to worry about it again and I'll find somewhere else to work, right? Yeah. But uh, alas, that's not the case. Just like Sean said, like his first answer to me was humans. Humans are, humans <laughs> are the victims, right? And yeah. I was like, hey, you know what? You're right. So it, it's, it's absolutely, and you think, yeah, the elderly, maybe they'll be a little bit more at risk, but they're not. Like I remember I, I lectured to 150 elders once and after the presentation, they all came up to me with their cell phones and they said, you said to not write down my passwords. How else do I do this? Where do I keep it? What do I do? So they really want to know. They don't want to be in that trap after their money is gone yeah. and they go, how do I do? Right. So they're trying really hard and there are others who are kind of like flipping about it, but they're not flipping about it. They, they really work hard. And, you know, are they a little bit more vulnerable when it comes to the fact that they could be isolated at times, especially during COVID times when they're maybe allowed to visit one family? Yeah. 
and the rest of the time they might be on their own or they may have their spouse with them. So that, you know, and things like that. And yeah, perhaps they're not technologically savvy, but you know what, at my age, don't let the grace fool you, right? I'm 25, but at my age, you think, <laughs> you think. First off, um, let's make it clear here. You're the coolest looking police officer <laughs> I know with the cool hair. You look like you came out of the MoMA. I don't know, like as a designer or something, <laughs> but continue, please. <laughs> you know, sometimes I feel like I'm not technologically savvy enough either. You know, Yeah. yeah. you turn to a kid and you say, you know, how do you do this? So there, there really isn't a typical victim and in absolutely socioeconomic, none of that matters. None yeah. of that matters. Mm-hmm. Right. It doesn't matter. You, you can be greedy and have no money and you can be greedy and have all the money in the world. It just, whether or not you're going to be victimized. Right. Absolutely. Um, and then you mentioned in, in your question, sort of like, what are the factors? Like when it comes to that, some of the frauds, like, if we talk about, can we talk about romance frauds for a second? Yeah, let's like do it. it. No. It and let's, let's it. give so, them an explanation on what romance frauds are too. Yeah. So romance frauds are nothing new. Um, they're kind of trendy at the moment when it comes to, um, you know, there's some documentaries on romance frauds and things like that. There's Dirty John. There's um, um, others that I've seen on Netflix. And, yeah. and they're all really, really interesting. Yeah. Um, and you kind of think to yourself, okay, so those are done. Everybody knows about romance frauds. Why are people still falling prey for romance frauds? Well, there's a whole bunch of different um, reasons. Um, and what's interesting is that the Canadian Anti-Fraud Centre is is um, an agency that we work with. They're run by the OPP and the RCMP, and they're, they're statistically driven. They gather stats. They don't investigate, but they do sometimes pass things on to different agencies based on where things are occurring, just so that we're all on the same page. They have a great website full of resources for people when they're not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're they're federal. So they're dealing with everything from across Canada. So they say that, and they're dealing with frauds. So then when they say these are our top 10 frauds, you know, romance, all sorts of different frauds, the typical things, you know, the CRA frauds, now the COVID frauds, things yeah. like that. Sean mentioned PPE, vaccination, special filters that'll clean your house from any type of virus, you know, things like that. Um, those are all out there at the moment and they're not going anywhere. Okay, they're in place. Yeah. So the Canadian Anti-Fraud Center will say that they believe that 5% of frauds are being reported to them. So when they have their their end of year numbers, they're only representing 5% of frauds. They say when it comes to romance, they believe only 1% of frauds are being reported to them. Wow. So in 2020, yeah, it's and it's a really low number, just 1%. So you'd think, well, that that total of victimization is going to be low. So when you you look at their stats for 2020 when it comes to romance frauds, their losses came up to $18.5 million for 2020. Just Ooh. romance scan. That's 1%. Yeah. So if you believe that the, you know, if it's actually 1%, that comes up to like a $2 billion loss just for romance scams just in Canada. Do you think it's a when pride thing? At, Do you think it's a pride it, thing? The victims just don't want to talk about it because they're like, I, this is an emotional <laughs> thing. I'm trying to pay money for love right now. It's like 90 day fiance and I'll never see my person yeah. on the other side. It's, do you think that's one of the reasons? So it's one of the reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, they might not know to report it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have pride. They have face. Um, they also maybe believe that they weren't victimized. Yeah. That that person loved them. Yeah. You know what? They victimized all those other people, but not me. They really did love me. We've, you know, it didn't work out because it didn't work out, but nothing to do with the fraud. Right. Yeah. So they're, they're not believing it. Right. And it happens to anybody. So quick little story. 
I have a friend who's a senior officer within Toronto Police. And he calls me up one day and he says, do you have a second to chat? I'll pop by your office. You know, face mask and all. He comes into the office. He tells me it's about a romance scam. So I asked my friend who's in the office, Kevin Williams. He's in our mass marketing section. He deals with a ton of romance scams. And it's all mass marketing stuff. So it's stuff that's just being blitzed out yeah. one way or another. Right. So we sit down with, with this officer. He's a senior officer. And he says, uh, so I'm dealing with a family member. She needs my help. I go in to help her out. She's got email problems and computer problems. So as I'm cleaning it out, I come across these emails between you know, my family member and um, this gentleman who's saying, you know, I love you and everything uh-huh. else. And it's the, the typical romance scam. And he identifies it and he says to her, hey, what's going on here? Oh, I, I met this guy through whatever means, you know, and uh, we've got a little pen pal relationship going. And he goes, no, you're a victim of a romance scam. She wanted nothing to do with it. She didn't believe that she was victimized. She says, nope, Ugh. this is true. This is real. I'm not sending him money. I'm not sending him money. Yeah. So it's got nothing to do with the romance scam. So it continued on. He thought he had nipped it, erased the whole thing, got rid of the guy's contact info. It's gone. Fast forward a little while later, he receives an email from his family member who, by accident, sent the email to him, meant to send it to the guy, right? Okay. Meant to send it to the guy yeah. who's the, the suspect of this romance scam. And he sees this email and he goes, oh, my God, this is still going. So he yeah. goes up to her again and he said, is this still happening? She goes, oops, okay, yeah, I didn't mean to send that to you. But, yes, it's still happening. Uh, I'm not sending him money. But here's the part that, you know, I wasn't aware was even possibly a thing. What she did was now she took the email conversations between she and this gentleman and she's sending it to her friends saying, look what I'm doing. Look what I'm involved in. This is great. I've got a romantic relationship going on with this guy. Yeah. And you could have that too. So she's unknowingly luring her friends to partake Wow. In romance scams. Oh my gosh. So it's like this guy didn't even need to do much work. No. Just she, being spread out. Yeah, she's helping him. Oh my. Yeah. That's it's sort of like the next element to it that I didn't realize would even be a factor. And I think that's one of the things why, you know, these types of crimes aren't seen as um so gory per se, right? You know, because when you see like is there's a shooting, there's a murder, it, it it's it's literally physical physically in front of you. But when it comes to this, this is an emotional hurt. This is a, a financial hurt. This is a, a sense of privacy that that gets taken away from you. And that actually really messes with you. If I could swear right now, it really you up. You know what I mean? Like that really messes you up as an individual. And I think uh, you know, you have huge trust issues after that. I mean, Sean, I think huge. same thing, you know, on your end, like you, you, you probably have seen people's entire systems get cleaned out. And I wonder what, what do they do after that? Or, or what, what happens when, when that happens? Absolutely. Like some of the, some of the ways that people are victimized, especially if it's a business, uh, you know, it can, it can destroy the entire business. If you have a business email compromise where they get in your email and then they intercept a wire transfer, for instance, oh you may not gosh. be able to like to financially recover from that. Yeah. And I think I think Val hit the nail on the head earlier when she said it's a trust thing, right? Like it's mm. devastating on a personal level. And it would affect your ability to trust anybody in any way going forward, whether it's like a, a tech crime like that or against your business or, or especially with a romance scam as well. The romance scams that I've seen lately are starting to pivot in that they're telling people to invest in cryptocurrency. I've got, this, I've got this cryptocurrency exchange that I've been dealing with. I've been making lots of money. I'm not asking you for money. I'm telling you how you can make money 
you should invest in this platform. And then they do. And of course, that's a scam and they're losing tens of thousands. Of it's some like multi-level type of fraud slash romance. Like it's a romance fraud and also like a scam to to from, from a money stand. Oh my gosh, there's so many levels to that that, that can be layered upon and, and really mess, not just emotionally, but financially. It, oh, wow. <laughs> These guys really hip it to new technology and new situations like COVID uh, yeah. very quickly. Yeah. It's hard to stand up. I, I mean... Uh, you know, one of my most favorite entertaining things during COVID is actually watching YouTubers online, you know, call them out on, on whether it's from a fraud standpoint or in a, another cyber crime. So I would love, you know, your thoughts on, on those YouTubers doing those things. You know, um, what do you think about it? Oh, some of them are so good at it, aren't they? <laughs> oh, they're great. I, uh, I get the phone calls on my on my cell phone every so often from someone claiming that they're with the CRA and my SIN number has been compromised. And I play along with those calls on a regular basis because I like to see how they do it. Oh yeah. Because it helps me be able to tell people how to avoid it. Um, the more time they spend with me, obviously the less time they're spending scamming other people. I've had situations where uh, I've gone to pick up my kids and I'm on the phone with one of these scammers telling them I'm driving to the Bitcoin ATM to get the money. And I let my kids listen to it as well because you know some of the guys like the scammers are very charismatic. But the oh, yeah. YouTubers that that waste their time, they're very, very good at it as well. Like they're very tech savvy guys who they're getting into like the scammers computers and they're tying the scammers up for hours and hours. It is very entertaining. How about you, Val? <laughs> I get those phone calls. I get them at work on my work line. And I just... <laughs> do you just do one of these and like kick back and then like get on the call and go, here we go. Like, <laughs> Speakerphone and let's see what happens. Yeah, you know what? But this, you know, like Sean said, they're very charismatic. This is their full-time gig. Whether a fraudster's a fraudster, they live that life. It's amazing sometimes when you speak to some of them, you you have them in handcuffs, arrested in front of you, and they are so good at what they do that you start thinking for half a second, <laughs> is this the wrong guy? Nope. No, no. You got me. You got me. This the right guy is this the right guy i'm not gonna fall for it i had i had one, i had one guy he was a romance like you said axel he was a romance ponzi investment guy yeah. all balled into one um so he was very good at what he did he looked the part he looked amazing um and the the joke was you know of course now he's He's pled guilty. Mm -hmm. He's in jail. He's in an institution. And a freelance writer from the Toronto um, Life, she goes, I'm going to go interview him. I'm going to go visit him. I said, listen, two things. Don't marry him and don't give him all your money. <laughs> they, these guys are amazing. It's their full-time gig. You know what? I bet you in the underbelly of the underworld, there's an Oscar for best you know, scammer scam artist fraud out there and they're holding that plaque with pride unfortunately so you know let, let's get in the minds of these scammers you know, we're talking a lot about the victims let's talk about the scammers what, what you know i'm sure you've interviewed them before and you, you yourselves know them best in terms of the psychology of how they operate um the organizations that they work in now what you know qualifies as a scammer what what led them there usually and also what kind of aspects um, do they do they need to have to be, I guess, a successful one from what you've you've seen? So, just being charismatic. I, I <laughs> yeah, right. It, it just just 
Yeah, exactly. Being able to schmooze. No, I think it all depends. So when we're when we're dealing with the guys who are phoning you for the CRA scam and they're phoning from what you can very, very easily determine is like just an office full of phones and people making the same calls. When you finally get to talk to those guys, they've been told that insurance will cover everything. Right. They, they get some kickbacks for the money that they get from the victimization. Mm-hmm. But the ones who actually have a good heart, who just need money for whatever reason, they're kind of lied to, right? They're told, no, 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 those people are going to be fine. Insurance, the banks, everybody's going to cover them. You're going to, everything's going to be okay. So they, they can sleep at night over things like that, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, their bosses, they know full well what, what the true story is, and it's not going to go down that way, and people are going to be at, at a loss, and if it's too much of a loss, they're never going to come back. Um, but the people on the phone, they don't know that. And some of them do, <laughs> and they just don't care. Right. They think whatever. Yeah. I just need money and I'm going to do what I need. It's like a survival thing. Um, the guys who are a little bit higher, you know, and, and the one that I was speaking about earlier, um, he he believed it. He 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 knows that his story is not right, but he believed it right to the part. So everything that he he would say to his victims and even anything that he would said to me down the road was loosely based on fact. He took that little nugget. And then he just elaborated from there and he built a story and he built a life around it. And all the money that he got from his frauds, which is multi-mill, mm-hmm. um, he just lived off a lifestyle. And that's why he looked the part from head to toe, mm-hmm. dressed in the right clothes, dressed in the right, smelt the right way, yeah. drove the right car, yeah. said the right things, went to the right restaurants in the right neighborhood. So they are living the life. It's actually a fascinating thing on the standpoint of an investigator because you're, you're looking from the outside in and you're going, man. This guy believes it. Um, and they spend time in jail and they spend time with other people who are doing the same thing and they're, they're learning off of each other. So they, um, they, I'm not going to say I'm not a psychiatrist or a psychologist of any type, so I can't diagnose anybody, but there's something there, right? Something that, mm. that ticks in there that has them believing that what they're doing is okay for yeah. whatever reason. That's crazy. It's, it's funny because I, I literally just finished rewatching Fire Festival and I don't know if you uh, are, yeah, I'm sure you both are very familiar with it. <laughs> Everybody's laughing. They're like, we know uh, one of the greatest worst events to ever happen for everybody that didn't go. So, I mean, horrible situation. That's a great example of fraud. Um, a great example of cyber too, in terms of like, I remember there was that part where they loaded up their wristbands with money. Um, and it was just a whole lot of stuff that they were just like, I think like, it was like, $2 million worth of, of, of cash was put on these wristbands and they were like, you know, there's frauds in terms of like buying a cabana that never existed and, and things like that. And it's just, uh, as we talk more and more, I just realized that my entire Netflix uh, curriculum has been fraud and cybercrime. So, uh, <laughs> I'm glad we're making that realization right now. So, um, yeah, but I guess for, for, uh, for Sean, you know, in our heads is the cybercrime this, you know, a non face with a hoodie, you know, doing their thing on a laptop. Is that what, you know, that's what the cinemas have told us, you know, that's what Hollywood has told us. What, what do you actually see? So I see a pretty broad spectrum of people that offend that way. There's a lot of teenagers, for instance, that when we catch them and when we go and arrest them and you ask them like, why'd you do it? They usually have the same answer and it's to see if I could. Mm-hmm. because they're not really associated in the criminal consequence to what they're doing. They're just playing around with cybersecurity and they're just pushing the envelope and seeing how far they can take something. 
yeah. without realizing that they're actually victimizing other people when they do that. Um, oh, absolutely. And then you've got some, we, you've, I've got another case for a guy who was uh, cyber attacking uh, Canadian media companies like the National Post and mm -hmm. the Toronto Sun um, because he'd been arrested for fraud out in BC and all of these news agencies had done uh, like news reports about him at the time. And he was trying to get them erased off the internet so he could start his life over. And when the media agencies wouldn't do it, he would cyber attack them until they took the news articles down. Oh my God. So in his mind, because I talked to him a few times, um, in his mind, you know, he believed he was doing the right thing because he was just trying to get his life back on track. Yeah. Meanwhile, he was taking down uh, a bunch of very prominent websites in Canada for an extended period of time. He's victimizing all of these people, but in his mind, it's okay because he's doing the right thing. Of course. I'm sure it's probably the same fraudsters too. No, absolutely. It's, it's funny. So I, um, background on me, I did computer science and one of the classes that was most memorable to me uh, at U of T was um, ethics an ethics class because we had the power in our hands, you know, of like learning the knowledge of, like you said, your victims was like, ah, oh, we just want to go in to just see if we could do it, you know, just see if we can pop in and, you know, break through whatever firewall or, you know, security that they do have, you know, it, it's just a, I think it's just a, our, our younger selves are just like, eh, might as well, let's just try it out. You know, it'd be cool, but we, you know, people don't understand that. And I think the ethics class at least helped us realize what exactly we were doing i think one of our assignments which was pretty cool was um if you were working at a company what's the worst cyber crime you could do and we had to present it to the front of the class on exactly how we would do it and it was funny at the company i was working at the time i just i showed them because i was just intern i was interning there and um i showed them what happened or what i was going to do and they laughed and then my manager took me aside and he goes don't don't do that though please <laughs> <laughs> Please, please don't do that. But it, it's really, it's a lot of power. It's a lot of power. There is, there's a lot of companies now that offer uh, programs. They call it a bug bounty, right? Where if you are a hacker, you can go in and see if you can find a vulnerability in Facebook. And then you tell Facebook about it and Facebook will give you money because yep. you're saving them, you know, from from being attacked in the future. And I think that's where the lines get crossed though, because we hear stories like this and they're like, oh, well maybe if I hack in here, I'm gonna get a job or, you know, I'm gonna be, you know, whoever's new security rep uh, because of what I do. But at the same time, it, it's still affecting people. So, um, you know, that world is a little hard to read between the lines sometimes, because like you said, there are those companies that are just like, come at us, let's see what happens. Absolutely, so as a result, you've got hackers that are everybody from, 16 year old kids who don't really know what they're doing, but they're trying their best to nation state level hackers uh, that are employed by some other countries to go after infrastructure and stuff like that. Absolutely. Like, you know, those are the guys, those are the guys in the hoodies. Those are the hoodies taking down entire hydro, you know, uh, electric, you know, systems and grids. And we're like, what, what just happened? You're going to start another war, you know, things like that. And that's, <laughs> that's really scary that that can happen. Um, so, yeah. Wow. <laughs> I, I love, I love this conversation. Anybody that's watching is watching me smile. It's not because I, <laughs> I, I like what's happening. I love just the conversation itself. Don't worry. I'm, I'm here. I'm a good boy. Um, <laughs> I'm not here giving you ideas. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No ideas, everybody. Because, you know, I personally think in schools, they should be teaching some sort of ethics here. You know, uh, regardless of, of the knowledge that you have, if it's a deep coding background, it's of a deep financial background, um, because you can get sneaky and do stuff. But until ethics are really, you know, put as a base of knowledge, 
I think it's just our minds roam free and we think we can do whatever we want. We get excited by the cinema. So we start to do, you know, the Wolf of Wall Streets. We start to do the, you know, the, the crazy Anon stuff that we think is cool, quote unquote. But again, we don't understand because we're not educated as much. But I, I believe you both are in organizations or work with organizations that do help. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, the, the Canadian Anti-Fraud Center does a very good job of educating people about, uh, about fraud. Uh, fraud Prevention Month last month, uh, for example. But then there's some other organizations that we deal with. Uh, RCMP has a National Cybercrime Coordination Center uh, that also pushes out information, not only like cybersecurity for individuals and for businesses, uh, but also like cyber hygiene. And there's some other groups that push out information on how you can actually participate in these bug bounty programs. Like if you're going to do these things, uh, they had an instant or a um, program in Toronto a little while ago where they were looking at missing person cases. Mm -hmm. So they had historical missing person cases. Let's get together and leverage our resources to see how many of them we can solve. And they actually managed to resolve a bunch of them by finding people yeah. on social media. It's like a hackathon. Like Interesting. Exactly. Cool. Exactly. Right. And some of the people were not missing more so much. They just didn't really want to be found. Got it. And they ended up getting found on social media because everyone's <laughs> posting how great their life is on Facebook all the time. Uh, so, you know, they're able to leverage their skills that way. And I think groups like that that are sort of doing good with it uh, have a, a bright future for us. Absolutely powerful, you know, for the bad side, but also when you, you bring it to the good, there's so much good that can actually be done there with, with that power. So amazing. And then as for, um, for fraud, what organizations does Toronto Police work with? As Sean mentioned, the Canadian Anti-Fraud Center mm -hmm. we work with. We work with the Ontario Securities Commission. Mm -hmm. um, and we also work with the Better Business Bureau of Canada. And we have the uh, Competition Bureau of Canada. And they're the ones who spearhead the Fraud Prevention Month every every March of every year. So together, um, you know, we've got some other um, stakeholders as well that we deal with. But, uh, you know, we, we try our best to get the word out there to reduce victimization, um, to just educate. We're trying to reduce victimization. That's the bottom line, right? We're trying to teach people, hey, listen, this is what can happen. Um, let's nip it before it happens. We'd Absolutely. rather, we'd rather prevent it than have to deal with it afterwards. Because like we've talked about just a little thing of just somebody taking over your sin, somebody mm -hmm. hacking into an account and having to deal with the uh, credit bureaus and things like that, that will take you months to just deal with it. And it's kind of like, okay, well, they say I need this to get rid of it, but they, they've already taken that, right? So what am I supposed to do? So they, they just kind of like spin their wheels until finally, and now their money's kind of frozen, their money's sitting there and they, they can't access anything. So it is a huge headache for any type of victim for the smallest fraud. Um, I, you know, we talked about it at the beginning. They feel stupid, they feel foolish, they clicked on the link. But, you know, we also can't forget that sometimes there's an actual science behind the victimization. Um, and it, it's, it's more than just telling someone, don't do it. Don't click, you know, just like this, this lady that we talked about, this family member who, who was all wrapped up in that romance scam, luckily didn't, didn't send a penny over to this gentleman, yeah. uh, to this bad guy, right? He was working on it. Just didn't, didn't happen. She, she had the wits about herself to just not send that money. Exactly. Um, but you know, uh, one one uh, research that I came across that I thought was super interesting is there's an anthropologist at um, Rutgers University in New Jersey, and she she did a study, a research on a hundred, hundred people who were madly in love. 
And you think to yourself, okay, well, what is that going to do? Well, she took those people. They're madly in love. She puts them in and conducts MRI tests on all of them. And then what they've recognized is that when you're madly in love, your brain actually changes. There are certain parts of your brain and the activity changes. And what happens is that it's now sort of like, you know, somebody will say, I felt like I was brainwashed while mm-hmm. I was going through that scam. You know, I, I, I just couldn't, I couldn't do it properly. So the, the activity in your brain that changes when you're madly in love, it, it stops you from, it's not necessarily your common sense. It's, it's a matter of um, you realizing that you're, you're able to be, you, you can deceive yourself mm-hmm. and it's easier for other people to deceive you. So you might feed me a line right now, but if I'm in love with you, Axel, yeah. and I might just, I'm just going to want to believe it, right? I oh. just want to believe it because I love you, right? Exactly. So, of course. It's I'm cool. like crying so- inside thinking about every single time I was in that position and be like, I, no problem. It's because I love you. I'll do it. No I worries. We'll, I'll drive five hours to drop off like that book. No problem. No worries. I don't right. have an exam. That's fine. We'll go. We'll go. Because I love you. Exactly. Because I love you. Yeah. So you you think to yourself, why would someone fall for that? But it's it's their brain has actually shifted, not allowing them to think all the way through. Their common sense is kind of shut down. You'll drive the five hours to deliver the book, right? And you'll fail that exam that you studied for the last three months. And it's going to be okay. And then at the end, you know, luckily it's a book and not a million dollars. Yes. and then at the end, when you're no longer in love and your brain kind of comes back and you go, how did I possibly fall for that? Yeah. Right? I want my sweaters back, Val. I want my sweaters back. Okay. I miss I really those like sweaters. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so, so true. So it's, you know, when it comes, you know, Sean mentioned, we're not in the business of victim blaming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Our victims behave a certain way based on what's happening to them. You know, this is a scientific reaction to love and there are all sorts of different things so you know we're always there for our victims that that's the whole point of what we do um so if we can prevent any of it so they don't have to go through all of that you know that's our main goal at the end no that's that's amazing and i i I love that because and i think for anybody listening they, they really should take it to heart that Again, it's 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 you're being a great, you're just being a nice person. You're being an honest person. You're trying to be a helpful person, and uh, you're just caught in the crossfires of some bad people trying to do some bad things. Um, and you know, I think this is a great note to to leave it on. So, is there anything else you two want to say about um, your specific departments or people you work with, as well as um, to any of the possible victims out there to to look out for? What are some things that you want to say? Well, for my perspective, if you have a business or if you have, uh, even personally, if you've been victimized, uh, I encourage people to report it to police because sometimes, you know, if your business gets hacked, you want to get, you know, your business back up and running. You want to get your website going again. You want to start fulfilling orders. People don't necessarily even associate that to reporting it to the police. But if you take the go train in every day to work, and someone is in that go train lot during the day and they're breaking into cars and stealing money, the police don't know that there's a problem unless people tell them. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with, uh, with hacking instance as well. You know, we're not going to catch these guys and hold them accountable if people don't report it because no one holds all the keys, all the pieces of the puzzle to arresting these guys. Everyone's got little tiny bits and pieces here and there. And sometimes, you know, we need 10, 15 people to report the same version of ransomware. 
in order for us to be able to start being able to attribute it to somebody. Yeah. So I encourage people to, to report this stuff so that we can do our job, right? Let us help you. A hundred percent. And and I feel the exact same way. Oftentimes the victim will have, will say to us, I didn't want to bother you by phoning um, yeah. and just even asking for advice. You know, that's what we're here for. We're happy to shut it down before it starts. If I get that phone call and that person says to me, this is what's happening. Is this a fraud? Man, I'm so much happier that they phoned me before they actually sent the money before they clicked on the link, before they did anything like that, right? Or they thought they were stuck. I had to do it. No, you didn't have to do anything. So when they phone us, and they can phone any police station, they can phone directly to an officer's desk, they can call the front desk, whatever they want. Anybody, an officer's always happy to help and prevent rather than, okay, come on in for that statement. Because now, you know, exactly. whether it's a fraud, whether it's anything else, right? Any type of crime, really that, that's what we're here for, right? We're peacekeepers. We want a peace to yeah. keep the peace. You don't want people to lose out on anything. So just pick up the phone call. It's never an inconvenience. That's what we're here for. I love that. That's a common theme, I think, out of all the episodes that I've, I've, I've had with uh, TPS and, and everybody that works with TPS is that just call. You know, that's that's yeah. why you're there. That's why that's why you have this job. That's you're here to help. And, um, you know, I think, you know, both of you just watch out for a text for me when I'm at night crying and I see a link on my phone and I go, hey, guys, I'm not sure what this is. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, but serious, you'll get a text. Anyways, everybody, this is uh, 24 Shades of Blue. This is Valerie. This is Sean. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, can't wait to talk more. I hope there's a part two of this because I want to talk for hours. But that's it. 24 Shades of Blue out.